What's good, everybody? This episode of the podcast is sponsored by DistroKid. They are the go-to for digital music distribution and the easiest way for musicians to get your music onto Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, TikTok, YouTube, and more. They offer unlimited uploads, and artists keep 100% of their earnings in stores 10 to 20 times faster than any other distributor. Fastest payouts. They help out with automatic splits, cover song clearance, and all kinds of other amazing tools and templates to help you get the most visibility for your releases. I dig this company and really appreciate their business model that offers more features than any other distributor at the most affordable price possible for solo musicians, bands, studio artists, DJs, and any other creators that are producing music in their home. And they also offer label services as well. They're distributing over a third of the world's digital music at this point. And the best part about DistroKid sponsoring the podcast is that they are offering Dan Cable Presents listeners 30% off your first year of membership, making their already affordable services even cheaper. Check out the link in the episode notes. I will also put it in my Instagram bio in the link tree. Click that link and it will give you 30% off your first year of service. Super stoked to have DistroKid sponsoring the podcast and can't thank them enough for their support of this thing. This episode of the podcast is also sponsored by Produce Row Cafe here in Portland, Oregon. This has become one of my favorite local hangs because they have free music every Wednesday night from 6 to 8 p.m. and Sunday afternoons 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. They are located in inner southeast Portland and not only do they offer free music on their their large patio setup, but they've also got a killer brunch menu from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. on Saturdays and Sundays. The French toast and the breakfast sandwich are lights out. And I can't really do much alcohol personally, but I love their Virgin Bloody Marys. And they've got some other mocktails for folks like me as well, as well as the, the real deal cocktails, mimosa flights and all the goods. So come on out for brunch or come out in the evening for the new warm weather cocktail menu featuring lots of fresh fruits and vegetables, tons of outdoor patio space, and good eats. Big thanks to Produce Row Cafe for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Let's do it. What is good, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Dan Cable Presents Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the program once again. If this is your first time listening, thanks for checking out the show. If you want to help support this thing in a free way, you can do so by clicking subscribe on iTunes, clicking write a review, giving the podcast five stars if you feel like it is deserving of so. And that will help propel this thing into the tops of those iTunes charts, which will give it more visibility on the national and international levels, helping strangers find the podcast and uh, just a great way to help contribute to the growth and sustainability of this thing. Appreciate the hell out of all the folks that have already taken the time to do that. Cannot stress the importance 
of those reviews enough. If you're not listening on iTunes, just click subscribe, like, follow wherever you are listening from. And the podcast is available on Spotify now, as well as some monthly playlists that I've been putting out every first of the month, which is the inspiration for this double dose of the podcast. It's probably been well over a year since I've put out one of these playlist hangs, which in the past has just been me picking out four or five songs and uh, playing those tunes, doing some chatting in between. But since December of 2020, I've been putting out these Spotify playlists and trying to keep the genres on those pretty wide and really just share what I've been listening to throughout the month. And uh, yeah, lots of people say they kind of listen to everything and I have been trying to make these Spotify playlists which I really need to figure out how to get on Apple as well I just have not uh, gotten around to do that so they are a Spotify exclusive now but I suppose you could just copy what the listings are and, and make a uh, Apple one as well but through these playlists I've just been trying to display what everything kind of means to me so it's a it's singer songwriters it's jazz it's hip-hop it's dancier electronic stuff it's it's very all over the place but also trying to you know create some flow to them so if you actually do listen to them front to back they they have some sort of flow but obviously great to just hit random on them as well so my idea for doing this usually every other wednesday an episode of I Dig Records has been coming out, which is a series that I host with my cousin that comes out in this feed. And we're usually doing a deep dive on a record, but I wanted to shake it up a little bit. I had this idea for doing a playlist episode again, but trying to get a few short interviews to pack into the episode. So I've selected a few tunes from the August playlist and reached out to some of these artists and just talked with a few of them for a bit. And that's what this episode is going to be. You're going to hear from a UK jazz musician by the name of Rosie Turton, who is an incredible monster player on the trombone. You're going to hear from Flesh of Morning which is this darker synthwave pop duo from Austin, Texas, and New York. And then later on in the episode, you're going to hear from Hand Drawn Maps, which is a couple dudes from Southern California, close to where I grew up. So great to connect with those dudes. So that's what's in store for this playlist episode. And uh, yeah, hit me with your comments about it if you enjoy this type of thing. My thoughts are that this will become a part of the the monthly programming here to help shine a light on some of these tracks on the uh, the playlist that I've been putting out. So those links will be in the episode notes for the playlist, along with the Dan Cable Presents mugs and t-shirts. And of course, all of the links for the artists featured on this episode will also be in those links. Before we get into the first segment, I just wanted to shout out some calendar dates. If you are a local to the Portland, Oregon area, every Wednesday night from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. and every Sunday from 1 p.m. to 3 p.m., there is free music 
going on in Southeast Portland at Produce Row Cafe on the patio. So if you're not quite ready to be indoors seeing shows and that is not your comfort level yet with, uh, you know, acclimating and getting back to life with all the COVID shit going on, this is a, a great space to, to hang out, have some drinks, have some good food. This coming Sunday, September 5th, we got Nathan Earle is going to be doing a set and following that is September 8th with the Yellow Birds, three great singer-songwriters that make up the Yellow Birds. The 12th, we got David Pollock and uh, myself doing a DJ set and special guests that day too. We're going to have music all day on September 12th from about 1 p.m. to 5 p.m. It's the Portland Night Market going on, so that's going to be a lot of fun. September 15th, Fox and Bones. I'll put the uh, Produce Row website and Instagram there so you can follow up with more calendar dates for the rest of September and into October. But free music going on, so uh, come through. Check out some tunes, grab some food, and uh, we are going to get into this playlist episode, episode 270, with my chat with Rosie Turton from the UK. Rosie is a killer composer and player. She's got her most recent EP, Expansions and Transformations Part 1 and 2, is available on the streaming services as well as her previous record. She also plays in a band called Neria as well, so I'll put the link for that, another killer group of musicians that make up that but uh yeah stoked that i stumbled upon rosie's music and i'm gonna play you in to our conversation with the original version of part two off the expansions and transformations part one and two ep just to give you a little context for what is actually on the playlist which is a remix of part two so this is the original version by Rosie Turton.
go, yeah. Awesome. Well, uh, yeah, appreciate you taking the time. I stumbled upon your expansions and transformations part one and two EP uh, about a month ago, maybe. I was just uh, seeing what was new in the in the jazz world and your your album popped up and I uh, I thought it was this cool, pretty immersive experience if you gave it the time to listen to it front to back. So I'm stoked to chat with you about your your tunes and where you come from awesome thanks yeah yeah that was the desired effect <laughs> immersive experience <laughs> yeah talk to me about how you uh started playing music um wow so, yeah i mean like i kind of started off on the violin actually when i was really young um and i guess that was sort of yeah sort of dipping my toe into music for the first time um I kind of just yeah was like really excited by it just kind of being able to create a sound from something um so I just sort of kept on like wanting to try loads and loads and loads of things <laughs> I really wanted to be a saxophonist at one point but that like never <laughs> happened <laughs> um but like one day for whatever reason I decided trombone um and there was a trombone at, you know available for me to like try out and stuff and some lessons at my school so yeah that kind of like started that um and yeah I just kind of had like a lot of encouragement from my parents and sort of my music teachers which I'm you know was really like lucky and kind of yeah that sort of just gave me the space to explore as I sort of grew up and stuff yeah yeah were you once you started playing is that kind of how you wanted to spend most of your your free time yeah I did like quite a lot as much as I could um <laughs> think yeah my poor parents driving me to like band practices and stuff like that <laughs> but um but yeah no I kind of like didn't really think about sort of doing it full-time until sort of a bit older sort of like a sort of sort of like I guess like sort of 17 or something um and yeah just at that point was also like really sort of discovering improvisation um and really falling in love with like you know jazz music and kind of yeah I was just like well I really want to kind of yeah keep exploring this yeah was it always jazz music that you were playing in some sense I guess so yeah definitely started out quite like sort of old school jazz sort of like you know bebop and kind of discovered like John Coltrane and then McCoy Tyner and then got into kind of like a whole like modal jazz phase <laughs> um it's sort of like yeah we do like progress through the timeline of jazz music so kind of yeah sort of um yeah so when I sort of discovered like Ferris Sanders and the Alice Coltrane and that that was kind of like my like okay this is my jam yeah um, and you know just also like really into like sort of a lot of like producers and like electronic music as well now and it's sort of so exciting there's so many people that are really like fusing those two worlds together in like a new and exciting way so yeah yeah i was watching uh some of your live performances for some of these tunes and just saw how you were kind of incorporating those things even into the live performance with the with some of the uh the electronic stuff going on with the live instrumentation yeah definitely and um yeah we've got like uh collaborate with a guy called Pi Eye Collective at the moment who's sort of in the band who's just like awesome and like Johanna the violin player sort of got her effects pedals and stuff um 
yeah just with the band sort of like getting bigger and bigger <laughs> keep adding which is great it's loads of fun but um yeah I kind of really want to like keep pushing it and kind of sort of like experimenting now with like different effects that I can run my trombone through as well and kind of like figuring out things like that yeah yeah really getting spacey and trippy with it once you start throwing pedals on everything yeah definitely definitely although I feel like yeah I don't know I have to be careful not to go a bit too overboard <laughs> just like some like crazy like wah wah trombone maybe wouldn't be the vibe but um yeah um <laughs> uh, do you think like since you got exposed to jazz music kind of first and that was you know you you got really hooked in with the the improvising that it's kind of hard to to see music outside of the jazz lens after that Oh, yeah, that's a really interesting thing. Um, so it's quite interesting you asked me that because I feel like recently I've really kind of been challenged with that, I think, with the music that I make. Um, so kind of like, especially over like the last year with being in lockdown and not being, especially at, at the first lockdown over here in the UK, we weren't really allowed to sort of like see anyone that you didn't live with, even in like a sort of work scenario. So it was kind of a lot of like creation of music happening like on my own. And that was kind of like quite a big thing of like, realizing that I kind of well one I'm like kind of so used to the reaction of like improvising so when it came to like kind of writing music on like Ableton or something it was quite challenging because I was kind of like oh how do I expand this drum groove so it's not just like a drum machine playing a repetitive thing and the reactions that would happen from human to human I was having to try and like figure out and so and also just throwing like so much stuff in as well and kind of just being like wow this is way too much so yeah so the thing now is I feel like I'm sort of trying to push the other way of just being like okay like start some like simple ideas and stay on the same thing <laughs> you know like um and and so I guess yeah it's quite um a new sort of thing that I guess in some ways I suppose like there's a lot of jazz which is like that but in some for me it feels like yeah kind of just like having to go against my kind of natural sort of reactions to music making yeah do you feel like it kind of forces uh a different type of creativity out of you when you're kind of uh you know put under those those circumstances where you can't really get in the room with too many people to play music yeah definitely and kind of kind of yeah as I really like push me to think about things like arrangement like things that would naturally happen when you're kind of just like playing together and um yeah so it's been like really really great and kind of just like quite an interesting sort of turn in terms of like music making for me yeah I know you uh you play in a group called Neria and definitely checked out some of that music as well and and some of those those live performances that are available on YouTube and whatnot but what made you want to start a band of your own and and start putting out some of these these solo projects um well yeah I mean I guess I was kind of like writing some music that kind of was going in sort of like my own sort of direction with it so with Nerea it's always quite a collaborative process sort of we either like write together or we kind of people bring in an idea and we change it around to like you know everyone adds their bit or sometimes people bring in like a whole thing but it's always quite written with like that band and musicians in mind like I think we've been together for like quite a long time now we quite have like I think we all have quite a strong vision of like what the sound is in that band and we kind of grow together in that direction um 
but I think yeah like I just kind of wanted to like try something else I was sort of writing some other bits of music and sort of wanted to experiment with like playing with other instruments so kind of like things like yeah trombone and violin um and yeah I kind of like uh, my sort of own projects that grew out of that yeah do you feel like it kind of serves two completely different things when you're working on the two different projects um yeah no I mean I guess it's like they all sort of feed into each other like I think the things that I learn in one project kind of goes back into then sort of the other way but um I think yeah in terms of like I think it's just quite fun to sort of like have a space where I can just sort of try out some different things and really explore like, my own kind of voice um and sort of what also the where the trombone stands is kind of like a lead instrument because it's not kind of your classic sort of front line so it's sort of normally like in a horn section or something um so yeah it's kind of like really like exploring the different ways that it can be used as like a texture or like a melody instrument or just like yeah loads of different things talk to me about the the two parts of your EP expansions and transformations and how that idea kind of came about for you. Yeah. So, so far there is a part one and part two, maybe there'll be more <laughs> in the future. We'll see. But um, yeah, so these ideas kind of came out um, after, so I had a conversation with this trombonist and composer called Peter Zimmo, who's kind of more along the sort of like contemporary music side of things. Um, and I was really intrigued about his uh, sort of writing process. And he sort of explained to me how he kind of writes a lot of things like sort of like short ideas and puts them together and then sort of brings that to the band. And that's kind of like how they sort of like, um, yeah, play together and perform the competition. So I kind of was like, with that in mind, wrote out a few things um, which were kind of like that, like sort of short melodic ideas or like chords or like rhythms um and then yeah with the band we just sort of had like a day in the studio because we were recording some other stuff um and sort of just did a couple of takes of these sort of short ideas things just like without practicing just went first time straight in um and like yeah my original intention was to sort of take them and like cut them up and like mix it around but um I actually just really loved those two particular ones just like as they were um this the shape just seemed to work and yeah, I just sort of thought, okay, yeah, I'll put these together for an EP, kind of like, yeah, it was this sort of idea of like, I guess the title sort of, the music reflects on that, as in it's kind of just this like open space and one small thing evolves into like a big thing and, you know, um, yeah, hopefully, yeah, keep on making more of that sort of thing. Yeah, part one feels very, uh, very meditative. Mm, seems yeah. to kind of tap into that space yeah for sure exactly and kind of like I feel with a lot of the music that I write with that band as well without realizing it now in hindsight when I look back at the cheesy play I think it is all kind of music which is written quite openly and I feel like the band and the the tunes kind of are like a space of reflection so each time we play them they're different and you know it's not so like prescribed it's quite you know there's not like a set arrangement it's quite you know and I quite like that idea of just like exploring the sort of moment in time 
when it happens and then you know letting it go and then until the next one absolutely yeah and i i love the the relief that it kind of gets as it gets into part two and uh those uh when the keys kick in kind of seems to the light gets let in a little bit yeah yeah definitely it's like the kind of sun coming out of the rain clouds for sure yeah absolutely are you always kind of uh pushing yourself to to just explore new boundaries of the the instrument and the genre of music to kind of create longevity in what you're doing um yeah absolutely i think um yeah i think like you know the trombones are really like there's so much that can be done with it um and so i think yeah i'm just sort of constantly discovering more about that instrument and through listening to other musicians like especially outside of just the jazz world kind of like and more like free music or kind of yeah any sort of setting um and so yeah I think I'm just kind of like finding sort of ways to yeah just writing music and that allows for that space to kind of like try out new things with the instrument yeah for sure uh what's your favorite thing that you're listening to right now anything uh speaking to you quite a bit that's a, hold on. I'm just going to quickly check what I've, I have a really bad thing where I can't uh, recall what I've listened to. That's all right. I have the, <laughs> sa the same issue. <laughs> but um, I promise I have. Um, oh, yeah. So like, um, yeah, I got to say uh, Mind Design's new album is... Yeah amazing um i've been like listening to that quite a lot uh, i'm actually like really getting into um that label leaving records uh run by matthew david they've been putting out some cool things like uh arushi jane recently put an album called under the lilac skies with them which is kind of like modular synths and voice um which is like amazing it's really beautiful and powerful and kind of like lion milk yeah sort of that really kind of like quite getting into that sort of like ambient synthy sort of music at the moment yeah you feel like that's uh listening to new music is just as key of the process as far as uh sparking creativity for yourself yeah definitely and kind of forgetting new ideas as well like sort of when I'm sort of feeling a bit like blocked and just kind of like oh I can't you know think I'm, get, I'm bored of like what I'm writing or I kind of don't really know what to do I think yeah just sort of like taking some time out from that and then just like listening to loads of music and really like kind of trying out things that I've not really listened to so much before is like yeah really useful for that right on well um we're gonna the the song that I have on my, my August playlist is this part two remix and it's Jitwam's Ronnie in the Attic mix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so, um, yeah, Jitwam's like a sort of collab, like I've sort of played trombone on a couple of his records and stuff, and I really, really love the music that he makes. Um, so I kind of wanted to, like, add in a remix on this EP to kind of just, like, following in the theme of, like, what it was. Like, So on the B-side, we've got, like, the rework of The Unknown, which is a tune that was on the first EP that I put out a few years ago. Um, but again, that's one that kind of like evolved as we played it. And I was like, oh, this is like the new version. I was like, oh, it feels like a new tune. And I want to kind of like record that and stuff. Um, 
so yeah keeping in with that idea like of thinking on like the b-side of kind of old but new new but old stuff um yeah I kind of like sort of was like yes I'm gonna ask Jim to do a remix and uh yeah it's just like absolutely amazing yeah it's very it's very cool very cool uh vibe and I would imagine that's another fun thing of kind of having your own project where you get to just try ideas like that as well yeah definitely definitely just get to like yeah can do whatever you want with it it's just like all right (laughs) it's gonna you know put some remixes on there and yeah well i appreciate the the music that you're making and i'm stoked to to hear uh, hear more of it i hope that uh you get to start playing consistently out and about again with with people and start to get to uh have that experience again i'm sure you're uh you've been missing that yeah it's been like yeah it was it's been a long it was a long time but um yeah things over here like we've sort of had like venues and stuff open for like the last sort of few weeks so i've sort of been out doing gigs like it's been really fun though like i mean yeah the first one was quite like intense like all of us in the band i was playing with a friend's band and we were all just a bit like oh my gosh i'm actually really nervous <laughs> we've not done it for so long and we just got used to the live stream <laughs> so we kind of like adjusted to playing in front of cameras and that at first was really strange and then it was like oh yeah whatever but um this was like oh my gosh there's people in here and like they were wow, like they want to hear us. <laughs> it's like we're <laughs> providing the fun, but um, yeah, no, it's so, it's so good. It's like a different energy when you have like a crowd there, and it, yeah, it's yeah, it's really good. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I appreciate you jumping on with me, and uh, we're gonna play this segment out with part two that remix jitwom's ronnie in the attic mix off the uh expansions and transformations part one and two ep i will put all the links in the episode notes so people can keep up with you and uh appreciate your time rosie thanks for doing it oh thanks for having me it was great to chat with you today
great to chat with Rosie. I would highly encourage you to check out the live videos for, for some of these tunes just so you can get a, a real sense for everything going on. There's so much killer music coming out of the UK. Over the last year, I've gotten to work with a record label out there called King Underground and have been exposed to a lot of amazing music coming from that area and, and other parts of Europe. So if jazz is your thing, definitely give Rosie a follow and keep up with what she is doing. The older I get, just keep leaning heavier and heavier into the jazz and the instrumental music and, and just dig how boundaryless it is or appears to be at times. And I just appreciate the freedom of it, even though it feels like it is above my dumb headspace at times for sure so um i've been trying to include some jazz in all the playlists i think they're cool opportunities to allow things to to breathe and uh and to shift the feel of the playlist every once in a while they've been great tracks for that if you want to hit me with an email it's dancablepresents at gmail.com. Love to hear what you're listening to out there. If you want to see some tracks appear on these playlists or artists featured on the podcast, if you're new to the programming here and you uh, tuned in because you're a Rosie Turton fan or Flesh of Morning or Hand Drawn Maps, every Friday I put out a full-length conversation. We've had a couple great episodes the last couple weeks with Morgan Wade and then Suzanne Santo was on last week, and this Friday we've got a, another great singer-songwriter out of Nashville, Tennessee, by the name of Wilby, so I'm excited to share that on Friday, so stay tuned for more of those if you dig what you hear on this episode. All right, we're going to shift the vibe and jump into a much different space with a band called Flesh of Morning. They've got an LP called Here in Heaven that is now available. And this is me chatting with Faza, who's based out of Austin, Texas, and Travis, based out of New York, playing you into our chat with a track called I Pray off of that Here in Heaven LP. check in on on the new releases and uh kind of went through the record and when i got to a dream which is the the track that we're gonna play this during this segment i was uh yeah i just thought it was it was really cool and all the kind of dark experimental pop music going on that y'all seem to make together but uh yeah how did this project come about how did you start playing music together because i know you're in completely different areas right now so i think like in order to like actually answer that you got to go back like what like 15 years like when did we first meet like 
I think you were 20, 21. Um, it, it was, so it was, it was quite some time ago. Uh, we actually met, uh, you know, she'd been in a bunch of other bands that toured around at the time. We had a lot of mutual friends. Um, and we'd always kind of had our own paths musically with different projects we've been on. Um, and then it was just like, I mean, with COVID and all the time that, you know, we had at home and everything, uh, putting together a project just seemed to, to be, it was a good timing. It was a good fit. Um, I had always wanted to do kind of like a more like dark minimal synth type project, um, and needed somebody to do vocals. And so I think that's kind of, we first started talking about doing that and then we just kind of sent some stuff back and forth to each other. Uh, and it kind of went from there. Faiza, you've been singing pretty much all your life. Um, I mean, I've played in punk bands since I was around 16. Um, and I went on my first tour when I was 18, but, um, yeah, so pretty much. Yes. <laughs> Were you pretty drawn into kind of the, the synthy stuff that, that Travis is talking about the, the music that he was, had a vision for? Yeah. So I've always wanted to be in, um, like a synth dark, dark wave kind of band. Um, and I'm in Austin and I'm born and raised in Austin. And there's definitely a community for that here, but everyone is just in, you know, 5 million bands. Um, and I myself am in other bands. So um, I was really excited when he approached me um, about doing vocals because I've never done vocals um, in a band like this. So I primarily rooted in like hardcore punk. Um, and then I used to play in like grind and power violence bands. So this is definitely like so different and so freeing for me. Um, and it's super exciting. Yeah. Do you feel like you're tapping into something completely different when you're getting in the mindset to kind of record these vocals for this project 100 percent. like in like punk and hardcore um you know just the style of music itself is pretty aggressive and so you're typically thinking um about especially lyrically about things that anger you you know for the lack of the better word um and i'm really into like experimental film and so i feel like this is very much an extension of kind of what draws me visually to experimental film, but with sound. So yeah, it's pretty exciting for me personally. Yeah. It seems even listening to the music that there is this big cinematic influence, or at least it, it feels, you know, very cinematic sonically. Is that something you keep in mind, Travis, when you're doing the, uh, like composing this sort of music? I, you know, I'd, I'd love to be able to say that, like, I had intentions of creating a sound like that, but it, with any other, like, type of music I, I'm ever involved with, like, it always just kind of comes out the way it is. Um, and so I, I would say it was more uh, accidental on that. And um, when it comes to writing synth music, like, I mean, for all the bands I've been in throughout my life, like hardcore, punk, noise, uh, you name it, like, the focus hasn't been on the song songwriting in like a musical sense. Uh, and so being able to do like a synth project like this, been able to focus on actually writing like sh shit that I think is like catchy and, you know, and has those kind of musicality elements to it that I think lack in a lot of uh, like punk and hardcore. And so uh, I think it just kind of comes out that way. Um, but it, it definitely, I think 
blends well with, you know, FaZe's expertise in, in, in film, um, you know, lyrically, and then the overall, like, aesthetic um, with, like, the photography that's involved. Uh, so it all kind of complements each other, I think. So talk to me about how you kind of uh, completed these tracks together. Would Travis, would you just send FaZe, like, a complete track that was done and then phase you would record the vocals for it or would it be more demo versions of it and you would kind of help construct some of the arrangements together like if you needed a a few extra bars to finish your your lyrics or needed another hook on it or something like that yeah this was it was a lot of like trial and error it was definitely a learning experience because my my knowledge of like production and audio engineering was minimal i think like i was trying to learn how to put all this stuff together using like garage band uh you know as the project grew and as my knowledge grew like you know we were able to kind of hone in on our like style uh for sending stuff back and forth but ultimately like what ended up happening is i would just come up with something uh, kind of like more of a bare bone structure overall and send in be like what do you think about this um give no kind of input on what I think like vocal should be like or anything like that. It was just like, here, take this, listen to it, do what you want with it, send it back and then make adjustments from there. Um, and we kind of like kept up with that that whole time. And it's worked out, I think pretty well. Um, and, uh, it, it is, I think definitely kind of limiting in a way to not be able to like collaborate, uh, in real time doing that sort of thing. Um, but in the, you know, same way, I think it also kind of prevents uh, that kind of influence of each other. Like we're able to both express ourselves in a way that we feel is appropriate musically for the track rather than one person pressuring another into doing something. Uh, so I think it actually comes out as a better reflection of both of our interests and styles, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Um, this is the first like, again, like kind of style of music where I'm actually like doing more of singing versus screaming. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so that's definitely like out of my comfort zone, like 100%. Um, but, you know, I do dabble in um, like I have pedals and things um, at my house and my partner is a musician as well. So we have like quite a bit of stuff. Um, and so, yeah, I record here in this room that I'm actually in right now that's not acoustically treated or anything. I mean, you can see windows next to me. Um, but I will say that it's kind of the best recording experience because you don't have the pressure of um, like recording in a specific amount of time. Um, I also tend to like psych myself out when I'm recording because, you know, primarily when you're recording, um, especially as a woman in music, it's typically dudes. Um, and it can sometimes be a little bit uncomfortable because of that, um, especially when, you know, you meet them and they think you're going to sound one way and then you sound another way, especially when you're playing like punk and like grind, you know? Um, and so I kind of have a little bit of anxiety about that just generally, but recording in this room, I mean, I can do over and over, do different tones, try different lyrics out, send it to Travis. Um, and so not often is it the first take, you know, um, we kind of go back and forth uh, with the music and the vocals quite a bit until the song is like finalized, 
which is really great because being in bands and practicing in person, um, practice spaces tend to not be well, like soundproofed. So sound is bouncing all the way around and being a vocalist, like oftentimes you can't hear yourself. And so when you're trying to demo songs, it's like sounds one way in your head and then you go forward and then you're like, fuck, this is not So um, that's a really big perk for me as like someone that does vocals. I prefer it this way, honestly. Don't tell my fans that though, but yeah. And I would say like, we do take our time or we we ruminate on things a lot because uh, I think the songs for the album, like the majority of them were written like early last year. (laughs) Like, um, and it just took a while. longer than probably any other band I've been in where I feel like I've definitely rushed things before. So it's nice to have that luxury of time and space to, to revisit things later, uh, you know, not feel like you have to put everything out right away. Yeah. Yeah. Phaser, that's gotta be nice though, to be able to kind of record vocals in in an isolated area where you don't have to have people around you and do as many takes as you want. And, uh, and there's, uh, like you're saying, you know, being maybe in like some heavier bands when you're doing vocals for that type of stuff and you've kind of gotten together with those people in a room before and you know what it sounds like there with this project you've you've never really performed this stuff live so this is you know the first kind of go at it and you don't have that that marker of comparison yeah for sure that's going to be interesting when that happens definitely um because also i've Again, I've never played this style of music, so it's all very new to me. I mean, obviously, I listen to it, but as far as, you know, the community of people, you know, bands that I've played with before, um, it'll just be a whole nother world, which sounds silly, but like it is, you know, like the, the people that go to you know, synth or dark wave electronic shows are a lot different. You know, there is some overlap, but people that go to punk and hardcore shows, um, it's also been really fun kind of seeing friends that I have like all over the world kind of listen to this and be like, whoa, you sound really good. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) Yeah, it's definitely um, this music allows for some more patience, I think, than maybe some of the immediacy of uh you know the punk and the hardcore and you know the quick one to two minute jams where some of these songs on the flesh and morning record i i appreciated a lot of the patience shown in the production where it's often like a minute goes by before vocals even enter it's like all right let's set up the world for the the song and and kind of uh create that experience and then then bring the vocal into the mix is that done pretty deliberately as far as, you know, often ha- setting up the music that long before the vocal enters? I think it's kind of interesting because I, I do like when I when I write this stuff, I, I do kind of have a general idea in my mind of like where I think vocals should come in. What, you know, what is the chorus? Because because some things, uh, some songs don't really follow your typical like first chorus, first chorus, bridge chorus type of structure um some songs it's literally the same thing the entire time and it's the vocal pattern that changes or it's you know just two different parts that kind of interchange and so um but i I try not to like you know um 
influence her one way or another when it comes to vocals. And it's it's really kind of fascinating, like how often uh, what she does aligns with what was going on in my head in terms of a timing, like a cadence type of thing. So I think it it, it kind of is maybe uh, like a more universal thing. Like this is it just you know, when something sounds right, it sounds right. Like this, you just listen to something like, okay, this is where the vocals should come in. Um, and that's something I appreciate about it. Because uh, you're right, there are songs where it's like, I mean, I think there's one where it's like two minutes before there's any vocals. Um, and then there was a song that we put at the very LP that just didn't have any vocals because we were listening to it and we liked it, but we just didn't really think that vocals necessarily fit with the way it was. And so, um, and so it's, uh, it's, it's nice to be able to collaborate with somebody who just has that kind of same intuition, I think. Yeah, I would say like my ultimate goal with writing music and vocally, like even with punk music, like there's times where you just don't do vocals. And I think that that's something that just musicians generally struggle with is like they think that every song they shit out is like a banger, right? But every song's not a banger. <laughs> like, let's be real. And that's something that I appreciate about Travis because I mean, there are tons of tracks that we have that we I haven't done anything with or we've backburnered, and he's super chill and there's no ego with like the music that he creates, um, and vice versa. Like vocally, like if something sucks, like I want him to tell me, and I'm not going to take it personally because ultimately. I want to put out something that both of us are really happy with. Um, and so it is a collaboration, you know, and that's something that can be difficult to have when you're in a band, like truly, like it, there's sometimes drama, you know, because somebody likes this riff and you don't like it. And you have to have this long drawn out conversation. Whereas we've literally never had that. I mean, I hope I'm not jinxing it, but <laughs> we haven't. <laughs> Yeah, no, being being in a band is is the worst sometimes yeah. because that 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 conflict just always exists, and, and it doesn't matter how good of friends you are with somebody, like you're not going to agree 100 percent of the time. And so I think yeah, taking taking the ego out of it is important because as she said, like I literally have a folder with probably 40 <laughs> songs that we just didn't that just didn't go anywhere, and that's and that's totally fine. And there's and there's definitely been times where we've gone and revisited some things, and I was like, oh, you know, I like that part. And it just so happened to work better with the part of another song and I've combined and borrowed. And so it's nice to like have that pool of material to kind of draw from. And if, uh, I mean, some bands pull it off really well, but some bands also just, you write a song and, and it's now your song. And it doesn't matter if like, it's not a good song or, you know, you needed to spend some more time on it. I think people rush a lot. I definitely do that with my other band. I, I rush the shit out of songs. Um, and I look back, I'm like, man, I should have just not put out that song. <laughs> yeah, I think that's like the next level of collaboration, too, when you have like that open, honest communication and both people are just all about serving the song and not worrying about necessarily hurting one another's feelings if if both people or the collective group is in it for you know the greater good of the tunes then sometimes that's the the necessary thing is to you have to like call something out or like tell somebody that that's not working for sure yeah i definitely have no problem doing that <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. 
has this been a cool project for the both of you to have during uh the the pandemic and have this outlet something to work on yeah for sure i mean again i know i've said this like a million times but it is literally so freeing to be in a band like this because you know playing punk for so many years there is a structure there is like a formula to punk and this is much more like it's allowing me to like tap into kind of this part of my brain that I haven't been able to use with music and I have used it with film but I've never been able to like make sounds and you know do things with my voice that I've wanted to do and so regardless of the pandemic like I'm super grateful for this you know project with Travis because it's just really inspiring for me um and I know that kind of sounds cheesy but it really is and it's it's good for my mental health I mean um aside from the pandemic there's so much horrible shit that's happening and it's just really great to kind of open my mind and just do something in this room and not think about anything else and it not be fueled by anger yeah um and it's mm. just kind of fueled by whatever my mind is kind of concentrated on at that point for sure yeah one of the things that I find interesting is, uh, so we started this project around the same time that I started doing another post-punk project. And so while the two have a very kind of distinct sound from one another, it's been really interesting to see like the juxtaposition of both bands in their trajectories. Uh, Cause admittedly I do put a lot more time into the other band just cause it's everybody's in person. We we were playing shows and everything like that. Um, and watching the response that Flesh and Morning has received in comparison for the amount of effort put into the other band is hilarious. <laughs> Cause like, I, I we, we, we both are very busy people, um, you know, outside of music and the, uh, we do this for fun and we're not like out there hustling and grinding, trying to promote Flesh and Morning or anything. Um, and it still somehow manages to, you know, catch people's ear. And then we end up like, there's like two band camp features, which was really cool and unexpected. And so it, for the amount of effort or the lack thereof of like promotional stuff we've done for the band, it's been really awesome to see, you know, the, the appreciation we've gotten from a lot of people. And I, I definitely appreciate it. Hell yeah. Well, I, uh, I dig the tunes. I appreciate, uh, what y'all are, doing together and uh i would encourage people to to check out the record i'll definitely put all the the links in the episode notes so people can keep up with flesh of morning and uh we're gonna play dream which is on the record do you uh do either of you remember anything about how this one came together or uh just anything to add about this particular song when this we did this song this was like the turning point of when we're like okay i think we should do like an lp um because we had done a tape prior and then a couple random things like a cover but this was like the moment we're like okay this is this is pretty cool uh i think we could kind of structure an album around this and this ended up being i think the first single that we dropped from the album um and i think what kind of kicked things off uh for that so uh it's definitely probably one of my top two tracks that I enjoyed from the album. Yeah, agree with everything he said. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Well, this is my favorite track on the on the LP, and this is Flesh of Morning with Dream. Appreciate you both for, uh, for hopping on and, and talking to me about your tunes. Of course. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you.
trippy travis goes with the production towards the end of that tune with the the synth screaming on there and phases killer dreamy voice over the whole thing if you're looking for some moody synth pop this is where it is at really been digging that track and have inserted it into my dj sets lately when the vibe has been right it's all about the vibe man sorry I've been watching this new surf documentary series on HBO called 100 Foot Wave. It's my new obsession. It's incredible. I uh, The last few years, I've gotten really into surfing documentaries. I've never been surfing in my life, and it is a goal of mine to get on a board and get in the water and, and figure out how to do it 
because I just, I don't know. It's so inspiring watching these people surf waves and the way they speak about it is, uh, just seems like this next level of connection to the water and just the way they operate as people and the way that they're putting their lives on the line every time that they go out on the water and their desire to conquer these monster waves and and chase down this feeling of of riding the wave i'm just so captivated and and fired up by watching it it's crazy and i I can't get enough of it so i'm stoked to uh see how it all shakes out for them and uh and that somehow brings us to our final interview segment of this particular playlist episode with a band out of Southern California whose song Catch a Wave in fact is what is on that August playlist and I had a chance to talk with Stuart and Blake about how they started playing tunes together and just some of the the stuff they've been through personally. So this is me talking to the dudes from Hand Drawn Maps and playing us into the segment is their most recent single called Everybody Knows. taking the time i uh got that catch a wave tune sent to me um a little while back and uh was was drawn into it quickly and added it to my my august playlist and uh just wanted to to jump on the mics and talk to you guys about uh how hand-drawn maps formed and how you guys started playing music together Brad, dude yeah it's mm-hmm. awesome i mean it started out kind of like as a I mean, for more of a, like me and Blake, we're kind of doing, for lack of better words, like solo, solo projects and stuff like that. You know, we're kind of doing our own thing. Um, I, uh, we grew up together in the South Bay down here in Los Angeles, like Manhattan Beach, Palos Verdes, Hermosa area. And, um, and uh, yeah, I, I ended up going through some like kind of life like altering circumstances where I found myself kind of hooked on drugs for a while and like kind of going down like negative, like a negative route. And, um, you know, was able and fortunate enough to be able to pull myself out of that, like through the help of like family and friends and stuff and, uh, got sober and, um, always played music, but found that like when I was using drugs and stuff and like, uh, you know, kind of going off the deep end, that music became like completely back burner to me. And like, I started pawning all my guitars to obtain like opiates, drugs, all that stuff. And, um, and like the one thing I worked on, like trying to, uh, like work towards playing music was like kind of slipping away. And once I got sober, I wanted to like kind of reconnect with that. And so I started, uh, playing music again kind of under this moniker hand-drawn maps which is i'd say more or less related to 
like a book I was reading at the time, Dune. And, uh, you know, I was watching Donnie Darko, kind of like into like old science fiction at that time. And um, I kind of got drawn into like the concept of time and like the linear nature of time and like how like destiny kind of can like impact like who we are and what we do and like how like we can make our own hand-drawn map to like wherever we want to go in life and stuff. And that's kind of where I came up with that moniker. And um, me and Blake grew up together. We kind of did, got disconnected for a while. And uh, Blake, you want to like tell the rest? <laughs> so I'm not just talking the whole time. I can go on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, like, like Stuart said, we you know, we were both kind of like doing our own thing musically, but we hadn't seen each other in a really long time. And it just so happened that I was moving to Highland Park um, up near like Northeast Los Angeles and Stuart was already living there. And so, you know, after maybe a decade or, or more or something like that of, of not seeing him, you know, I think I hit him up just like, hey, man, what's going on? Like, I haven't seen you in a while. I know you've been playing music and you have a rehearsal space nearby. Like, let me use your rehearsal space. <laughs> I was trying to just like, <laughs> you know, that sort of thing. But um, it just so happened that the, the bass player that he was playing with um, was off, I don't know, making babies or something. So I, uh, <laughs> so I started, yeah, so Stuart and I started hanging out again and writing music together again. And um, I think things just kind of exploded from there. You know, we, we wrote a ton of songs together and, and here we are coming out of the pandemic. We got our, our own EP that's coming out and it's been, yeah, it's been, it's been a ride, but things are going good so far. Yeah, had you guys ever played any music together when you were growing up as kids, or were you even aware that you were really playing yeah. music in different yeah. bands or projects? I mean, we, we were definitely a, a, like a, aware. I, I'm a few years older than Stuart, and I was like really tight with his older brother. So you know, like I started playing in bands in high school and that sort of thing. And like, I'm Stuart. I'm sure you are aware of like that. Yeah. You know, like your your brother and I were like playing guitar together and hanging out and. and that sort of thing and and then um but we had never played together until yeah really just a couple of years ago but i had always appreciated that Stuart was like a really musical kid like you know even when he was a little like he was really young you know maybe like seven years old or eight years old or some crap like that i remember watching him like bang out some like beatles tunes on like the piano that they had at like his parents house and i was like oh man this little this dude's like actually got some ta- like innate talent a little shitty fucking casio this- <laughs> keyboard. That's, like, that's like 30 bucks at guitar center yeah like, he knocking he was- out strawberry fields forever and shit no like, but, he, but dude you're like at that time you're better at music than i was i'm like this kid's like nine and is like shredding on <laughs> like yeah. I, I mean yeah. I, sergeant peppers you know stuff yeah. or whatever i feel like before we played music together i feel like we shared just like an appreciation for music and like people who made it like you know yeah. like for first off like because like you were always really into the bands you were into like whether it be metal punk like alternative or whatever and i was really into like the bands i was into so i, I feel like we had like a shared appreciation yeah for, like, yeah we were both made music yeah, we were both big music heads, and we definitely got that from our families. Like Stuart mentioned, we we like kind of, we grew up together, so like our parents were like best friends, and our dad, like Stuart's dad's a guitar player and singer, and my dad sort of like dabbled a little bit. So I have like strong memories of all of us as like a very young family, you know, like hanging out with the dads, like playing guitar and like jamming and that sort of thing. Like they never really took it pro or or whatever, but. Um, 
there's there was definitely music in both of our households so i think Stuart just kind of we both just kind of like absorbed a lot of that yeah yeah made it a pretty encouraging environment for you to pursue those those creative endeavors and maybe take the music to another level for sure yeah yeah Yeah, i feel like the area like we kind of grew up with or like grew up in you know there was like always a lot of music that came through there i'm not sure if it's just like a bunch of like like uh, like rich doctors like who have sons they're like go pursue a like, an arts <laughs> education and stuff uh, like it very well might be but you know th- like the Beach Boys are from like right around the corner from like where we grew up you know like uh, no doubt Sublime and stuff like that's just it's just like a very musical environment like the South Bay I feel well the, like. the South Bay punk scene too there was like right. Circle Jerks and Black Flag and um, yeah. Uh, a lot of the, uh, yeah, a lot of the Minutemen, I think too. San Pedro, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's I'm li- I live I live there now actually. So I'm I'm learning like so I'm still learning South Bay punk history like all the time. It's pretty cool. Yeah, and I think all all of those bands kind of have that distinct California sound in some way, and I think that's maybe something I picked up pretty quickly when checking out Catch mm-hmm. a Wave. Cool. It was like, oh yeah, of course this is from California. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I feel like growing up here, yeah, definitely, it's just hard to not have that Southern California influence, just like kind of in everything you do. Just growing up next to the beach, I feel like it's, you almost get it through osmosis, almost. Absolutely. I think environment has a, a huge impact most of the time on people's art and, man, moving up to the Pacific Northwest, like eight years ago, you really start to kind of tap into why all that grunge music was made up here and you know the dark mm-hmm. and gray days that all the mm-hmm. the pearl jam and the alice and chains was born out of and right for Absolutely. sure yeah so what was it like when you when you guys kind of got in the room for the first time and started writing together was there a natural chemistry between you two um a- absolutely yeah i i feel like um the first song we really um, kind of knocked out was a, a song called Sunshine Subconscious, which is going to be appearing on the EP. It's not out yet, but um, there's a, it just kind of worked. Like, and then we knocked out Catch a Wave, which came, came up next. And I felt like when we got together, it was like, even if we didn't have a chorus completely worked out or lyrics completely worked out, like it was okay. Like we were going to meet up and like something was going to get done just because after a while of just kind of like jamming in the studio and stuff, or like jamming and then finally getting in to record some demos, I feel like we just kind of knew where each other was going. And if I couldn't finish a part, we still do this today. If I can't finish a part or I have like a verse, like he'll send me a voice memo with like a chorus, like that works perfectly. And then I'm like, Oh my God, here's the bridge now. And it, it just kind of works. It's almost like finishing each other's sentences and just like, it's totally. kind of like just the chemistry, you know? Yeah, that's probably the best way to put it. It feels like like fin- like finishing each other's sentences, sort of thing. You know, we're not like if I think if as soon as we start to overanalyze something, both of us are just like, nope, that like just just toss it out the window. Like we're very quick to to move on to like if if songs aren't like working out or or whatever. Um, but usually, yeah, just like we would just meet up and jam through stuff, and usually by the end of either you know we would try to be try to be songwriting demoing something out or whether we're just like jamming in the rehearsal room we like wrote a lot of stuff really fast a lot of it didn't you know hasn't made the cut so far but there's like there's a ton of other songs that like we'll probably never see the light of day but 
that's all right. You know, it's all part of the process kind of. Yeah, for sure. And Blake, was it pretty comfortable for you from the get go to like jump in and like sing some harmonies with Stuart being mm-hmm. that like I, I kind of dove in and saw that you had a solo record and listened to some yeah. of those tunes and some of the other things that you had done. Oh, cool. Yeah. Thanks, man. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, before I started songwriting on my own, I, I had always sort of been like the sideman kind of thing, like, you know, playing bass or playing guitar with people with other singer songwriters often and uh you know helping them to complete their vision so i was already doing that and then i ended up kind of you know dabbling in some songwriting myself releasing my own solo record which is yeah out on spotify and like all the all the things so get like coming back around to doing that sort of work with stewart um was supernatural and then like it just was made doubly better because like a lot of our references are really similar. You know what I mean? Like we have a, like a lot of older bands that we really both enjoy. And then like a lot of modern stuff that we're both just like, Oh yeah, it sounds like this one thing on this one record. And we just like, both are like, yes, we know fucking know it. Like <laughs> immediately, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? If we're trying to, if we're trying to pull out like a keyboard sound, like, Oh, it sounds like this one thing, you know, we're both right. like on, like- on that. You ever heard so, that King Crimson B side? Yeah. <laughs> like that's what we need, and he's like, "Got it, dude, yeah. done." Yeah, yeah, yeah. So th- I mean, that makes it super fun, man. Because then we're like speaking the same language, you know. Right. Sometimes you work with people, and you just you're just not on the same page, and that's fine. Nothing wrong with that. But when when it's when the chemistry is there, it's just like it's just so much more fun, dude. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When when you have yeah. a bunch of like shared reference points for things, like you're saying, it just like creates its own language yes yeah yeah we 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 don't really talk much about um how this like how we pick like guitar sounds or something like that because we just know like we want it to sound like kind of jangly or just dirty and like covered in reverb you know (laughs) like that sort of thing you know we we both like reach for some of the same stuff like pretty often so yeah for sure Uh, and i saw you guys worked with uh Steve Ornest. And oh yeah. Over, is mm-hmm. it Total Access. Mm-hmm. The studio yeah, there. Total, Total Access down over in um, good old Redondo Beach, California. Yeah, I was looking. Oh, that that dude has quite the uh, the roster of of artists that he's worked with. Yeah, shout out shout out to to Steve and yeah, Steve's, and Wynn. Steve's in a, yeah, Steve and Win. Those guys are like amazing producers. And the good thing about like performing or like just going into total access recording is they have such a wide array of gear and sounds. And um, I feel like whenever you, we get to step foot in that place, like kind of Steve or Ness, he just kind of creates an environment where we can like kind of excel and be the most creative we can be. And we're like, Oh, we kind of want an old 1980s synthesizer on this. He's like, well, I have one right here. (laughs) I'm like, I kind of want a Juno 106 on this. He's like, oh, you mean this right here? I'm like, yeah, he's got all the toys, which is so fun because we had demoed everything out like pretty extensively in the studio, but like, or at like at our home studios, you know, but we wanted like, obviously we wanted to like finish the last parts of it, like in a real studio with like the real deal gear and like that kind of thing. And yeah, he's just like has these all these amazing like delay pedals and like the organ that he has there is so cool and um we got to mess around with a lot of that stuff and it really like yeah, it was like the icing on the cake. You know. Yeah, man. 
this stuff sounds so, great and you guys recorded those live sessions there as well with the, the videos yes yeah yeah we did so yeah so we did the whole ep um you know recorded like track by track well some of that stuff was recorded live actually for the finals but then we basically went back in and recorded the ep all over again but with a live band yeah and we shot it we shot everything you know and we didn't really like do any overdubs on that stuff you know the live session it's like it's you know we did a little bit of editing here and there and that sort of thing but it's it's pretty much just like a full-on live session that we did there with the, the guys in the band yeah i imagine that was uh a pretty good time considering you guys kind of really got this thing going during the pandemic and probably not having the opportunity to play with a full band too many times. Yeah. I remember being very excited that day just to be in the room playing again. We took the EP, you know, we were like the pandemic kind of put a hold on like when we were going to get into the studio and we kind of just both went into like survival mode, I guess at that point, like just kind of, make enough money to stay afloat and just like kind of do your thing but when we actually got in the studio and recorded the songs like it kind of got us excited again and we're like you know it'd be another thing just film a live session with like these songs and like because i mean when it comes down to it i think blake and i both have a big appreciation for live music and like live band and like we always want to kind of be known i guess or like kind of be regarded as a good live band yeah and like kind of be able to showcase that like like on camera and like kind of have a good sound as well you know yeah there's definitely nothing like that reference point like it was really nice to have the opportunity to check out a couple of those live videos just to see you know what the songs sounded like or you know if they had a different feel than the the record and I imagine that was like pretty easy process too, since you were already working with Steve and just setting up in his studio and he already <laughs> knows all the sounds and everything. Yeah. Yeah. We pretty much just, instead of setting up one instrument at a time, we just set up all the stuff that we used on the record. Like, um, our, our keyboard player, John, he, he got to set, he had this, he had such a fucking badass keyboard setup with the <laughs> multiple synths and the Mellotron, like all the stuff that we actually use on the record. He was playing it live right there. And, um, yeah, to not play with people for, you know, the better part of 18 months or whatever. And then all of a sudden like play the record that we just recorded live in studio. It was so much fun. So I'm, so I'm, I'm psyched. The videos turned out really really good and shout out to our friend tim for all the editing and, and filming that day and everything hell yeah yeah Stuart, do you find that uh since like returning to the music and being so immersed in it that that's like a pretty helpful tool for you for as far as like a therapeutic for maintaining sobriety and whatnot yeah absolutely um i mean i i can't it sounds uh kind of cliche but you know i can't live without playing music you know i, I kind of need it to like keep my mental clarity and like kind of keep my head on my shoulders you know music yeah, helps me in being sober you know talking to people fucking staying active you know yeah like just uh being able to create music and kind of get into a project like this like with a like a good friend of mine i grew up with like like someone who's also passionate about the project you know it just kind of keeps me going for sure. Yeah, I think uh, when you start to learn to process the world like through your art or through your music, it is really hard to to shake those things or not want them to be a part of your life when they help make sense of things. Absolutely. You know, and even like, you know, because the music industry is a crazy fucked up business and like yeah. everyone knows it. It's, it's not even a secret. No. Like you talk <laughs> like, 
like you talk to anyone who's in the music business completely fucked up and like and it's like hey kid you should just go be a fucking lawyer you know but like you know i think i could speak for both blake and i and just be like you know like even if it turns out being like that we just love music too much and love creating and like being a part of it too much to ever kind of give it up you know in any sense oh yeah 100 percent. right on uh well i'm stoked for the uh to hear the rest of the tunes on the ep when it comes out definitely been uh listening to everybody knows and uh catch a wave which we're gonna we're gonna play this segment out with do you want to give some some insight on where you were at when you were writing catch a wave i think blake and i kind of got together and nailed out like kind of a chord basis and we sat down and wrote lyrics together and we wanted it to kind of be real you know we didn't want it to be just like because it kind of comes off a little poppier when you listen to it you know there's a lot of major chords in there um but you know we kind of wanted the lyrics to counterpoint that in a way and like you can tell like the lyrics are a little bit darker and like kind of deal with some subject matter that's yeah. not exactly like happy you know yeah i think that juxtaposition is always fun like to have these these happier tones in the music and the lyrics maybe you're conveying something a little darker yeah oh absolutely and i i also think it's just like a jam that's by the end of it it's very easy to be singing along with i love just that the guitar lick that kind of like dances behind the vocal in the chorus kind of helps it move along is very cool thanks man yeah that's all Blake right there. Yeah, I do mostly rhythm, chord, basses, and stuff. And like Blake just kind of brings the song to life with his catchy leads, his keys, his kind of his rhythmic like kind of sense and everything like that. So you could thank Blake or Blake for all that because yeah, I love that guitar part he came up with for that. Thank you, man. Thank you. Well, cool, man. I appreciate you guys uh, taking the time, jumping jumping on the line with me and talking to me about your tunes a little bit definitely been been digging this one and like i said stoked for to hear the rest of the music when it comes out and i'll put all the links in the episode notes so people can uh keep up with hand-drawn maps and this is catch a wave
Check out those live videos from the studio we were talking about during the conversation. Those are some very cool live performances and really appreciate Stewart opening up about his struggles with addiction and his journey to sobriety, always floored by people's willingness to open up about those types of things and that vulnerability, man, is uh, is a powerful thing, especially yesterday, August 31st, now being recognized as Overdose Awareness Day and uh, having experienced the loss of somebody in the last few years to an overdose, that shit hits really heavy, so it's always really nice for me to get to talk with people about their struggles with addiction and their uh their pursuit of sobriety and just uh it just seems to mean something different to me now to get to see people turn that around and get on the other side of it because you know what it looks like when when someone can't and uh it's it's a battle man it is uh it's a hell of a battle and I just want to be on the the side of, of not demonizing addicts and uh, continue to try to be more understanding and compassionate about what they're going through and, and uh, that space that they're living in during it. So big shout out to you, Stuart, for getting on the other side of that thing and I uh, I wish you the best with that we had Morgan Wade on a couple weeks ago and she talked to me about getting sober and how that changed her life and it's just it's powerful stuff and I really appreciate people being willing to talk with me about it so hope everybody is uh hanging tough out there and finding ways to keep your head above water if you are struggling with anything in the world I know it's an overwhelming place right now and uh, i hope that you're finding some joy in your day i hope you're finding some some tunes that make you happy or some folks to be around that make you feel like things are gonna be all right music has always been my my kind of safe haven i guess for dealing with the world and processing the world so it's worked up until now so I'm gonna keep on. Uh, I'm gonna keep cruising with that. You ever just say words that you don't exactly know what they mean, and then you have to go back and look them up and make sure that they actually apply to what you were saying? Like, I'm I'm currently looking up safe haven to see if that even made sense. What does safe haven mean? A safe haven is a place, a situation, or an activity which provides people with an opportunity to escape from things that they find unpleasant or worrying. Well, the good news is is that I don't read very many things on this podcast, so we don't have to put up with that 
too much, but it looks like safe haven was an appropriate thing to say there. And uh, let me know if you enjoyed this episode, if you dig this type of thing where we're hearing from more than one artist and just kind of having these shorter chats. It doesn't really necessarily allow to do the deep dive like I, I normally like to do and Usually with an hour-long conversation, you can really get a sense of who someone is. So with these shorter chats, I've kind of had to uh, just be more direct and not have as much time, I guess, to to really make the connection the same way. So I, I hope it's still uh, I hope it's still enjoyable, and uh, I think that we will have more of this to come. All of the tracks that you have heard on this episode have come from the August. 2021 playlist and the one that we are going to play it out is on the September playlist which came out today September 1st and when I found this tune last week it just had to be a part of this playlist the the track is called September it's by Charlie Martin who I don't know love to get to know Charlie especially after hearing this tune and Charlie has this record called imaginary people that is now available and this is the jam that we are going to play this episode out with thank you for tuning in to the program once again and this is the jam we're going to play the episode out with usually we end the episode with the guests of the show saying it's a program but uh i guess i will take that duty this time it's a program that's the jelly jams and we will catch you on the flip side portland or wherever you are listening from this september i'll do it again commit myself to
want to give a big shout out to Distro Kid for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Can't say thank you enough to Distro Kid for their support of this thing. And make sure you go into the episode notes and find that Distro Kid link to receive 30% off your first year of membership with Distro Kid, making their already affordable prices even cheaper for you. So make sure you take advantage of that. And the link is also in uh, the link in my Instagram bio on the link tree. So you can find it there as well. Big thanks to DistroKid. Stay up, stay tuned.